Recorded live. Greetings, saints, once again, in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am Apostle Robert Bryant, pastor of the Christian Center Church, Kinston, North Carolina, USA. And I'd like to welcome you all once again to another edition of Teaching the Word, where sound doctrine is brought to the ears of thousands of God's people all over the world. Once again, we bring you greetings from the great country of South Africa, city Pretoria, where Jesus Christ is Lord, and besides him there is none other. We thank God for each of you. We pray the Lord is blessing you very well wherever this broadcast is finding you. For those of you that have been worshiping with us, you know that we are working on our most recent topic entitled Make Yourself. Make Yourself. Very important aspect of your Christian walk with God. Our walk with God is a series of making ourselves. And what God is immediately placing in my spirit is that just as walking is a series of steps, it is one step followed by another step followed by another step. You cannot walk if you only take one step. You say, Apostle, what is it you're trying to get us to understand? We cannot walk by faith if we only take one step by faith. Walking by faith is a series of steps, a series of step after step where you and I are trusting what God has said, putting it into practice, trusting something else that God has said, putting it into practice, trusting something else. And as we continue to trust what God has said, you and I will find ourselves walking by faith. And I want to encourage you, child of God, under the sound of my voice, that as you walk by faith, you will end up in just the blessing that God has ordained and has in store for you. You will end up in just the church that God wants you in. You will end up in just the relationship that God wants you in. You will end up on just the job. You will end up in just the city. You'll be living in the home that God wants you to live in, driving the car. When you are walking by faith, following instruction after instruction by our Creator, you will find yourself blessed, and the adversary will not be able to stop you. Make yourself. So as we make ourselves do what God wants us to do. We want our bodies to be in good shape. We've got to make ourselves exercise. We want our minds to be sharp. You've got to make yourself study. Anything that you want from God, there are going to be some things that you're going to have to make yourself do in order to receive from God. And this is one of the reasons why many, many children of God miss out on so many things from God. They think God's going to do everything. God's saying, look, if I'm going to do everything, what is the purpose of having you? What is the purpose of, of you being a co-worker, God says, if I'm going to do everything? No, no, no. But rather, children of God, there is a part that God is going to play just like there is a part that you and I must play. We have entered into a covenant. You say, Apostle, we're not under the old covenant anymore. Okay, that's fine. Well, we got a new covenant, a new contract, a new agreement. And in a covenant, there are, there are dues on both parts. There's a do on the part of the one that's going to bring the covenant, that's going to uh, do his part, and then the one who also is involved in the covenant will do their part. You and I are in a new covenant with our creator. 
make yourself. The more you make yourself do what God wants you to do, the more you will be blessed. The more you will, you, those spiritual blessings that God has for you and I in heavenly places and in heavenly realms, the more we will see a manifestation of them in earthly realms. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at capital A in our outline, an ark. Two times in Scripture where individuals were instructed to make an ark, Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, Exodus chapter 25, verse 21. Capital B, deny yourself. Keep in mind that there are two yous inside of you, just like there are two me's inside of me. There's the new nature and there's the old nature still creeping around, running around. When we talk about denying yourself, we're talking about the denial of that old sinful man that still wants to cause confusion and disturbance when it comes down to the things of God. We looked at Matthew 16, 24, Romans chapter 7 and 14, capital C, save yourself. Save yourself. I, you understand under the sound of my voice that you have an eternal soul. You will never cease to exist. You and I, everyone under the sound of my voice, keep in mind that you will never cease to exist. One trillion years from now, you will still exist. The question is where? My prayer is that you will make yourself, save yourself, that you and I might spend eternity in the presence of our Creator. First Timothy chapter four, verse sixteen. We looked at Acts chapter two, verse forty. And brought us on down to capital D. Take courage. Take courage. Make yourself take courage. You know, some time ago the Lord began dealing with me in regards to uh, what fear actually was and how the adversary uses the spirit of fear to try and hinder you and I from getting to what God has for us. You know, we want to move from where we are to what God has for us. And, and you know, as we're moving and we're just kind of moving nice and smooth and nice and sweet, that spirit of fear is invariably will come in. Now, part of the, the what the Lord is placing in my spirit now, the wrestle against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual wickednesses in high places. God says that part of that wrestle is the wrestle or the fight against the spirit of fear. We're talking about make yourself take courage. That spirit of fear will present himself before you and before me before we can enter into our promised lands, before we can enter in. Remember, remember God uh, allowed the nation of Israel to spend about 430 years in Egyptian bondage. They wandered around for about 40 years in the wilderness. But then before they could go into the promised land, they had to face the descendants of Anak. They had to face a, a race of giants. Now, David slayed Goliath. He slayed one giant. But they had to deal with a race of giants. A race of giants. Now, now, now. So, so understand that that before you get into your promised land, there are going to be some there are going to be some battles that you're going to have to successfully win against the forces of uh, wickedness, the forces of this dark world. You and I need courage in order to get the victory. Jesus, on various occasions, would instruct his disciples to take 
discouraged. Why? Because Jesus understands that you and I cannot get to what God has for us as long as we are listening to and operating and being auctioned and moved by a spirit of fear. I encourage you, child of God, get in the habit of the things that scare you, the things that scare you. As you are unctioned by the Spirit of God and led by God, get in the habit of trying that, trying that. Scared to fly on an airplane. Let the Lord lead you right on an airplane. See, You're scared to go out at night. Let the Lord lead you somewhere at night. Get in the habit of letting God lead you into the very thing that you are naturally afraid of. And as you do that, you will see yourself growing in grace. You will see you will see your faith increasing. I think I shared with you all some time ago, the Lord placed fear and faith on a seesaw with fear on one side, faith on the other side. And when your fear is up very, very high, only explanation for your fear being or our fear being up very high is that our faith is down. Now, we can talk all day and we can try to explain all kind of things to all kind of people. But the reason why you are so scared out there is because you have little faith. number of times Jesus' disciples be trying to cast out a demon, couldn't cast it out. They'd be asking Jesus privately, Master, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus said, because you got such little faith. When our fear is up very, very high, it is because our faith is low. Now, you can turn that equation around, children of God. And as your faith increases, as you trust God more, you will see the fear in your life going down. You will, you will not be walking by a spirit of fear, but rather you'll be walking by a spirit of love, power, and sound mind. You will remember as you walk by faith that you are God's representative in the earth. You are an ambassador of God. And God said, Robert, tell my people, I'm not going to just let any and every kind of thing happen to them. God says, look, God said, Robert, my people need to understand that I've got an angel that is encamped round about them that fear me. Now, the question is, do you fear God or do you fear those people, places, and things that you are afraid of? God says, I didn't promise that I would have an angel encamped round about you if you fear in man. I didn't promise that you would have an angel encamped round about you if you fear in uh, uh, armed robbers. I didn't promise I would have an angel encamped round about you if you, you fear in the, the terrors by night or the arrows by God says, I promise that I would have an angel encamped round about you. God says, if you fear me. I want to encourage somebody under the sound of my voice. I don't know who you are, and I don't know where you are. Fear God. And watch this now. As your, God says now, Robert, as your fear of me increases, and we're talking about a reverent, respectful fear of God, not a bully, intimidation type of fear, but a reverent respect for our creator, understanding that God is not playing, understanding that God is not talking just to be talking. Anytime God opens his mouth, he's got a target audience, whether or not we listen or fail to listen. But as our reverent fear for God increases, I tell you what's going to happen, child of God. You're going to see your fear for everything else begin to go down. Uh, uh, some of you under the sound of my voice, you can't even hardly move. You can't even hardly go out. You can't even hardly go into a new city, a new country. You can't even hardly go into a new state. Can't hardly don't want to learn how to swim. Can't hardly don't afraid of heights. You're just bound by a spirit of fear. And God says it's just like you are in prison. Fear hath torment, but I'm hearing God speak right now, that perfect love. See, God says what I want to do is perfect my people in me. 
God wants to perfect you and I in him. And what perfect love does, as he perfects you and I in him, perfect love casteth out all fear. Take courage, child of God. Take courage. And you will see a greater manifestation of the power of God as you do that one thing. We look just today at Matthew chapter 14, verse 27, and we're going to take a look briefly today at Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Acts chapter 23, verse 11. From the New International Version, our scripture reads, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Acts chapter 23, verse 11, from the New International Version, our scripture reads, the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Capital D in our outline, take courage. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty and the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our soon coming King, we reverence you. We extol you. We bless your holy name. Father, we appreciate you for who you are, all that you do, all that you say. We give you glory, honor, and praise. Father, we thank you for being gracious, for being generous. We thank you, Father, for being kind, for being merciful. We thank you, Father, because every word of yours is pure. Forgive us, Father, of our iniquities, forgive us of our transgressions, our sins, our trespasses, which we have grievously committed against you. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you will lead and guide us this day in your paths of righteousness for your namesake. Speak, Father, for your little children have gathered to hear your wisdom one more time. Speak, Father, for your children have gathered to hear your instruction one more time. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, we ask these and all of the blessings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, our strength and our Redeemer. We count these things done in his most precious name. We pray, let God's people say amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, children of God. Um, we thank God again from the great country of South Africa, beautiful city, Pretoria. Those of you under the sound of my voice, if God ever allows you the opportunity to visit, I encourage you to do so. It's a very, very beautiful place. Uh, the saints have been very good to me as I have been here, and I thank God for each of their lives and pray God's continued blessings on his people. Take courage. Take courage. We see here, children of God, in Acts chapter 23, verses 1 through 11, the Apostle Paul has gone before 
the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin made up of approximately 70 sages or wise men with one who presided that was known as the high priest. Whoever was the high priest of the Sanhedrin was looked at as the leader of the Jewish nation. The Sanhedrin had power and influence politically, religiously, judicially. This was not a small boy gathering. These were considered to be the wise men of the nation of Israel. And I see something very beautiful here because God, he loves to influence leaders. Keep that in mind. God loves to influence leaders because leaders have so much impact on the lives of so many people. You know, some time ago the Lord, you know, began dealing with me. I used to, and I'm just going to be honest with you, thanks. I used to love to preach in front of 20,000, 10,000, thousands. Used to love it. Used to love it, you know. And then God began to deal with me in, in regards to leaders and impacting leaders' lives because uh, even though there may be thousands of people in front of you, if you can reach five leaders who in turn reach 20,000, you have reached uh, 100,000 people with your message. God is sending the Apostle Paul before the Sanhedrin that he might touch their hearts with the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, these individuals were looked at as the leaders of the Jewish nation, Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law, Essenes, Zealots, all these various groups that had come together and formed the Sanhedrin. Well, what God does is he positions situations and circumstances just right so that the Apostle Paul finds himself in this gathering. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, I want to encourage you to prepare yourself. God is going to be bringing you before high-ranking tribunals, high-ranking courts. Don't worry beforehand about what you will say. Just let the Spirit of God say what he wants to say. Paul is now before the Sanhedrin. And in verse 1, the scripture says that Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Now, now keep this in mind, child of God. Now, don't, don't think that telling the truth uh, uh, is always going to bring about a favorable response from those hearing you. Just, just keep that in mind now, because here, here is Ananias, the high priest, ordering other members of the Sanhedrin to slap Paul. You say, Apostle, what you're saying to me? That telling the truth might get you slapped. Telling the truth might get you excommunicated. Telling the truth might get you on the a, on a blacklist. But I want to encourage you, child of God, that no weapon that man forms against you shall prosper. You say what God has told you to say and do what God has told you to do and let the chips 
fall where they proverbially may. Paul said, look, I'm in good conscience. I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience this day. And I has ordered those standing near Paul, strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> now, you know, as I was studying this, I think yesterday the Lord began dealing with me. The Lord said, Robert, Paul had a little temper. I was like, Lord, he said, Paul had a little temper. You know, you know, he, Paul didn't like being slapped across his mouth like this and calls the high priest a whitewashed wall, or another way of saying a hypocrite, you know, because the high priest should not be ordering individuals to slap individuals during their uh, meeting with them. So, so, so Paul knew that wasn't right, but then Paul came back with the word, and he, he checked himself and, and ended up saying, you know, um, it is written, you don't speak evil about the ruler of your people. But Paul said, look, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Now, this is, this is something very important for us to keep in mind, children of God, because there's only one lawgiver and judge. That's the word of God. That's God, all right? God is the lawgiver and judge. Now, what the Lord is flashing in my spirit now is the scripture that talks about how before we try to take the speck out of our brother or our sister's eye, we need to remove the plank or the, the beam that is in our own eye. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. You say, Apostle, what you got now? What the Holy Spirit do, see, it's human nature to see the flaws in others, but it's the new nature to see the flaws in you. Or in ourselves. Let me say that again. Let me, let me say that again. That's that's fresh bread. That's fresh from the Lord right there, and that's gonna bless somebody. It's human nature to see the flaws in others. Even unsaved individuals can point and pick out all kind of flaws in individuals. Remember, even the even unsaved individuals saw all kind of faults in Jesus, and 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 saw all kind of, had all the Pharisees had all kind of problems with Jesus and what he was doing and how he was doing. That's human nature to see the flaws in others. But the problem that Jesus had with him, and that's why he called him hypocrites, because Jesus said, look, you're, seeing, you're supposedly seeing all this in me, but you don't see nothing in you. If you if, listen, let me, under, under the sound of my voice, if you can't see your own flaws, you're a hypocrite. If all you can see is the flaws in everybody else, everybody else, everybody, and you can't see your own flaws, you are a modern-day hypocrite. The new nature... The Spirit of God will begin, will, one of the first things he will do is begin to reveal in us our flaws, our shortcomings, our weaknesses, our sins. Paul called Ananias a whitewashed wall, a hypocrite. Why? He was sitting here judging, he was sitting here supposed to be judging Paul according to the law but he was violating the law himself by commanding that Paul be slapped. Paul said, what is this? You can't, okay, you can see, you, you can see where you had a problem with what I was saying, but Paul said, you can't see what you just did. Paul, Paul said, look, Ananias, you can't see that you're not supposed to be commanding people to slap me. You, you can't really can't. Paul called him a whitewash, another word, another way of saying you hypocrite. And the Bible says in verse 4 that those who were standing near Paul said, you dare to insult 
God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Now, this was Paul. It was a real, real sly move on Paul's part. Because Paul didn't take it back. He just, he just came back with some scripture that uh, uh, let him, you know, let everybody know that he was a man that was uh, governed by the word of God. And if the word say you're not supposed to speak evil about the rule of your people, Paul said, I'm, I'm all for that. Because Paul was a man governed by the word of God. Now, watch this now. Because Paul was, he was sharp, very, very sharp. Bible says in verse 6, Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. Now, what in the world did Paul say that for? What Paul did was he kicked off a firestorm. He knew exactly what he was doing. Well, you say, Apostle, what's driving that? Paul, watch this now, and this is important for you and I. Even though the Sanhedrin was one political, religious, judicial body, it was made up of individuals from various political, religious, and judicial bodies. In other words, it was made up of Pharisees who believed in angels, who believed in demons, who believed in resurrection. It was also made up of Sadducees who did not believe in resurrection, who did not believe in angels, who did not believe in demons. You also had Essenes. You also had Zealots. You had all these kinds of groups that were making up this, this body, this tribunal. And so what Paul basically does, children of God, and the Lord is, is, is dealing with me on this right now, Paul used one of the oldest military strategies known to man. It's called divide and conquer. Paul threw out what he knew would bring division in this tribunal. Now you say, Apostle, what's the significance of that? The significance of that is this, child of God. This is why another reason why God wants you and I perfectly united in mind and thought. See, what Paul did is he threw out that he was on trial because of uh, um, his hope in the resurrection of the dead. Well, Paul knew full well that the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection of the dead. So basically what he did is he let his enemies fight themselves. Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And all pure, it almost a brouhaha. Almost a, a battle royale, a big fight broke out in the Sanhedrin. Paul knew exactly what he was doing. He knew that the doctrinal differences right there in the Sanhedrin would divide them. And what does God say about a house divided against itself? He said it cannot stand. Now, you said, Apostle, you were saying something earlier. Yes. What I was saying was this. This is why it is imperative for us as children of God to be perfectly united in mind and thought. Because if we are not perfectly united in mind and thought, then the adversary is able to do the same thing to us that, that the Apostle Paul did to the Sanhedrin. He's, the adversary is able, will be able to use doctrinal differences 
to split us up, to break us up, to have us fighting one another instead of fighting against him, to have us wrestling against one another. You got Protestants wrestling against Catholics. You got Methodists wrestling against holiness. You got Baptists wrestling against second. The adversary, if we are not sharp children of God, the adversary will have us wrestling against one another instead of wrestling against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, it will be wrestling each other instead of wrestling against him. That's what Paul pulled off in the Sanhedrin. He got the Sanhedrin to fight amongst themselves, and he ended up going on somewhere. Well, that's what the adversary do that every day with children of God, have us fighting against one another while he go on somewhere about his business. Paul said, you know, when he said this, look at verse 7, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You say, Apostle, what you driving at? If the adversary can divide us, he can defeat us. Always keep that in mind. Whether in your marriage, in your family, in your ministry, in the church, if he can divide us, this is why God wants us perfectly united in mind and thought, so that the Bible says in in First Corinthians, so that there may be no divisions among you. So that there may there may be differences, but that there may be no divisions among you. It's one of the adversary's oldest tricks. Now it's the same thing that he launched in heaven. He divided heaven. God and the good angels on one side, Satan and the bad angels on the other side. Well, God said we're not going to have this. God said because well, my house is going to stand. God says heaven is going to stand. So what God did is he cast Satan and those one-third of the angels that followed Satan, cast them out in order that the house may stand. I encourage you, child of God, don't, don't love anybody more than you love the house. I hear that with spiritual ears. In other words, don't love nobody more than you love the kingdom of God. This is why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Because anytime you start loving somebody or something more than you love the house or the kingdom, then that thing, that individual, that entity becomes a God. Cast out the mocker, the scripture says, and strife will cease. Quarrels and insults are ended. A dispute broke out, children of God. The assembly was divided. Sadducees say there's no resurrection, that there's no angels, no spirits. Pharisees acknowledge them all. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up, watch this, and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take Paul away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You said, Apostle, what are you trying to get us to understand? Paul used wisdom. He used, Watch this now. He used their own divisions against them. He used their own differences against them. See, and this is children of God. This is why Satan's kingdom won't stand, because it's divided. It's divided. God's kingdom, and this is why God God wants you and I in his kingdom, in his word. The mind, listen, children of God, listen. The mind of God is not divided. 
The church of God is not divided. The spirit of God is not divided. Where you see divisions in the church and the, in the also, or, in, or perceived in the world, that means the adversary is involved. Same way in the Sanhedrin. This division, this division kept them from coming together and attacking Paul because they were too busy fighting amongst themselves. Paul was taken to the barracks. Bless the name of the Lord Jesus. Now watch this now. We're getting ready to close out church of God. The Bible says the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, and we thank God, children of God, because this was a very trying time for the apostle Paul. This, this, was, this was serious persecution. These people, the, the, even the, the army commander was afraid that they may tear Paul to pieces. This was no small-time argument. This was no small-time disagreement. This thing was getting very, very violent, very, very quick to the place where the army commander said, let me get Paul out of here before he get torn to pieces. So here is the apostle, the great apostle, right in the midst of these two very, very powerful fractions of the Sanhedrin. Army barracks kept saying, let me get him out of here. Let me get him out of here. See? But the beautiful thing is, the Lord said to Paul, and he's saying it to somebody out there under the sound of my voice, take courage. Some of you all under the sound of my voice, your enemies have come against you like a mighty raging flood. I want to encourage you. Take courage, child of God. Take courage. Lord stood next to Paul and said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. In essence, the Lord said to Paul, look, don't worry about this pit stop. Some of you all under the sound of my voice, you, 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 you had some pit stops in your life. You had some, you had some pit stop jobs. And some of you in some pit stop relationships. Some of you in some pit stop churches. Pit stops just represents little stops that you got to make along the way before you get to your final destination. Now, I want to encourage you, child of God, don't get, too, don't get too worried and upset and stressed out about pit stops. Understand that, that in Christianity, in our walk with God, we're going to have pit stops. There's going to be some places we're just going to kind of stop in for a while, but we got to keep moving. Paul, God said, Paul, you're going to keep moving. They're not going to tear you to pieces here. They're not going to destroy you the same way you testified in Jerusalem. You're going to testify in Rome. Don't worry about any of these little stops in between. Child of God, I want to encourage you. Your citizenship is in heaven. Don't you get too caught up with what's going on here on earth. Don't get too distracted and too disturbed about what they're saying about you on the job and, and what some of your family members have said about you. And, and what they don't, don't let that stuff sidetrack you. All of this stuff here, God says it like this, that, that, that we are to fix our eyes on what is unseen. For what is unseen is eternal, not with what is seen, which is temporal. All of this that we can see. Money, cars, watch this, family members, clothes, houses, all of this stuff is temporal. God said, fix your eyes on what is eternal. See? All this here that we can see, children of God, is a pit stop. It's just a pit stop. Don't let it disturb you too much, whether you have an abundance of it. Don't let it disturb you too much. If it seems like you don't have much of it, it's just a pit stop. Everything you can see. Is temporal. God wants our attention focused on that 
which is eternal. You say, Apostle, what, what, what is eternal? The eternal word and spirit of God. Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Jesus said, look, these enemies here, these are not going to be the ones. They're not going to stop you. You're going further. You're going higher. You're going to make it from your Jerusalem to your own. Child of God, under the sound of my voice, God has got a room for you. In other words, God has got a place. He's got a, he's got a destined destination for you. He's got a destined destination for you. Keep this in mind, child of God. You will not die in any other way than the, word, the way the Lord knows you will die. Just keep that in mind. God already knows the way that every one of us will die. Things may look dangerous. Things may look precarious things, but God already knows how you and I will die. You're going to make it to your own. God said, Paul, you're going to make it to your own. See, As much as your enemies hate you, as much as they're trying to stop you and come against you, God says, Paul, you're going to make it to your own. Child of God, under the sound of my voice, you're going to make it to your own. Take courage. Take courage. Don't let all of the all of this uh, see. This guy got kind of loud in the Sanhedrin. Things kind of got got loud. God said, "Look, don't let that shake you up. This is not your end. This is not your end. Take courage, child of God. Keep moving forward with Jesus, and you will get to your own. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Father, in the glorious and awesome name of Jesus Christ, again we thank you, we reverence you, we appreciate you, we extol you." We thank you today, Father, once again for your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. We pray, Father, that your people have been encouraged and uplifted. We pray, Father, for those who don't know you in the pardon of their sins, who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We pray, Father, that your words today have convicted and converted somebody. As Someone today has cried out, what must I do to be saved? Let them to know, Father, that if they will confess with their mouth, and believe in their heart the Lord Jesus and that God has raised him from the dead. You have promised that they shall be saved. For it is with the, heart, the mouth that confession is made and with the heart man believeth unto salvation. Father, again, we appreciate you and we trust that you have done these things uh, by your spirit, by your power, and by your might. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name we pray. Amen. And amen. Make yourself. Children of God, the Lord willing, we will uh, conclude this particular topic this weekend. Again, those of you uh, that have been following the broadcast, you should know that I'm out of the country right now uh, in Pretoria, South Africa. Uh, we're bringing the broadcast once a day instead of twice a day as it we have to pay very seriously for every minute that we bring you all the word. Uh, so those of you um, that feel led, we pray that you will be a blessing to the ministry, that the word of God may continue to go forth in power and might. Uh, we thank those of you that are contributing and, and, and are uh, making your donations. You are, you are a blessing far beyond what, what you even know, and God is going to continue to bless you all very good. Saints, the Lord continue to bless each of you, and we heaven smile on you until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen and amen.